Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome into the Quotable Monday. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, but each Monday I feature a quote and I talk about how it applies to mind mastery, conscious awareness, getting most out of your life, you know, something in that theme. But today we're going to apply it to self-identity, self-concept, and over the next few episodes I'll be delving a little deeper into self-concept, self-identity, but I'll also be talking about, in different episodes about intuition and manifesting. can hardly leave those out of the story, out of the conversation, because they are intimately connected with self-concept, self-identity. Because you cannot create or manifest beyond what you think is capable for you. And that all resides in your self-concept. Now, I'm going to be talking about self-concept over the next few weeks for a couple of reasons. One of them is that, um, and I don't know if you know this, but at the end of December, I did. I presented the Spiritual Adventure, a gathering of saints, and one of my saints, one of my presenters that I talked to, interviewed was Meg Lamb. And we talked about boundaries, self-identity, and how it applies to the Spiritual Adventure. Well, Meg is a premier coach and a therapist around setting boundaries and codependence. And it's probably the fact that she is also an NLP practitioner and a hypnotist that she and I had a great rapport. And as a consequence of our conversation, we've decided to partner and create a group coaching program around boundaries. Now, I realize some of you aren't aware what boundaries are or what they may include, And I'll probably go into it in a deeper level down the road in a future podcast episode. But just for simplicity's sake, we can say that a boundary is almost like a fence. It's a rule that you've established, a line in the sand that you establish. This is where I end and you begin. It's basically rules for engagement in relationships. Now, primarily rules or boundaries are set for yourself and not for other people. It's essentially the behavior that you will allow in your presence, in your life, what you will find acceptable. And boundaries can occur in just about every area of life. They can occur on the physical level, how and how often you like to be touched, if you like to be touched, where you'd like to be touched, what's acceptable, depending on what your relationship is how you want to be kissed, or when how you want to be approached. And then you also have boundaries for your friends, boundaries in personal relationships, intimate relationships. What are the rules of engagement when there's an argument or there's a discussion? What are the boundaries around money? What are the boundaries around deciding what you're going to have for dinner? You see, most people never consciously decide what these boundaries, what these rules are going to be. They just sort of adapt them along the way. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, 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 and <laughs> had trouble spitting that one out. But if you're an agreeable person, or if you find that you're a people pleaser, you tend to have very uh, shallow boundaries or weak boundaries. And you may know whether or not you have a weak boundary or not, because you're often left feeling resentful 
Well, that's boundaries in a nutshell, and we can go deeper into this, but uh, let me just say this. The program that Meg and I are putting together is going to kick off on February 22nd, 2023, and it's going to be a small group coaching program. It's going to be affordable. Contrast that to my regular coaching fee. So it will be within the reach of a lot of people, and it will be transformative in nature. It will create a greater connection to yourself, for yourself, loving yourself, and you'll have a sense of autonomy and self-confidence that may not be present today. Well, again, that's going to happen February 22nd, 2023. And right now, you can't sign up for it. I just wanted to tease you with the idea in case you're interested as you think about it, as you think about your boundaries. And do you have boundaries? Could you use boundaries? Do you know how to set boundaries? There's a lot of questions there. But I'll cover that in more depth and detail down the road in a future episode. Today, we're going to talk about self-concept. And I want to feature a quote from Carl Jung. Now, if you didn't know, Carl Jung was an Austrian psychologist. He was a student of Sigmund Freud. Now, Freud's considered the father of psychoanalysis, uh, association thinking, the Freudian slip. Now, Freud did a lot to uh, point us in the direction of the unconscious mind. There's There's a lot going on there. Basically, according to Freud, and I know we're going to talk about Jung, but for a minute, I want you to sit, I want to set the ground here, because a lot of Freud's ideas are interwoven into our psyche. Now, according to Freud, our behavior, our self-concept was given from our unconscious programming, typically from the programming of our childhood. Now, there is a certain amount of truth in that. But from Freud's point of view, we didn't have a lot of conscious ability, conscious control in order to change it. According to Freud, we were essentially slaves to that past programming. Now, Carl Jung did study with Freud, but he did a a radical departure from a lot of the principles, a lot of the ideas that Freud put forth. Jung created the idea of the shadow self. And in many ways, he was quite mystical, talking about mystical experiences and connections to higher consciousness and superconsciousness. Now, where Jung really departed from Freud's ideas is the idea that we can exercise through conscious endeavor, alter our subconscious mind. And so here is the quote from Carl Jung. I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. And that choice is exercised with our conscious mind. Now, I've been studying other than conscious processing, hypnotic phenomenon, ever since I was 13 years old. That's been nearly 50 years. And one of the things that I've learned over time is that there's an intricate connected relationship between the conscious mind and the other than conscious mind. Now, the purpose of the conscious mind is to point yourself in a direction, to offer up a question and turn it over to your other-than-conscious mind to fulfill on. Now, with that said, there is a rather interesting relationship between the conscious and other-than-conscious mind. It's almost in that same question as which came first, the chicken or the egg. And I say that because what you're currently conscious of is a gift from your other-than-conscious mind. 
It's like your other than conscious mind's been programmed since birth. You're, there's certain criteria that you've been, uh, it's been entered in uh, what's important, what's important to pay attention to. And then when your other than conscious mind, your subconscious mind is aware of it, it makes you aware in consciousness. And yet that conscious aspect, that executive function can work backwards and ask the other than conscious mind to make available certain information. It can make available anything in your past if you ask. If you want to access more of your dreams, ask your other than conscious mind to share your dreams, to remember your dreams in consciousness the next day, the next morning. To revisit the quote from Jung, I am not what happened to me, I am what I choose to become. And with that is an important distinction because a lot of people think that if something happens to you that it automatically impacts your psyche. If a traumatic event happens to you, then you suffer trauma. Well, there are all kinds of events that take place and some people take away more trauma than others. Some events aren't considered traumatic at all, yet other people are traumatized by them. And then some seemingly horrific events occur and one person's traumatized and another person is not. And what we found is that it really comes down to the story you tell about that event and what it means or what you mean in relationship to that event. Were you victimized? Were you at the effect? And for the most part, people operate on automatic, especially when you're younger. You don't necessarily have the conscious facility to choose it or not choose it. It basically happens and you're impacted by it and then you try and sort out why you were impacted. Why did it happen to you? What does it mean about you? We're asking those questions at that younger age because we don't yet have the conscious facility to ask a higher level question. We haven't yet separated uh, a person's behavior from how we're impacted because when we're younger, we're at the center of the universe. Like everything revolves around us, right? We are the cause for all of the feelings in other people. It isn't until later when we've had a lot more evidence that people are crazy just for the sake of crazy and it doesn't have anything to do with us. Then we can begin asking the question or, or separating out another person's behavior and not have it mean something about us. Now, that may not happen until you're in your 20s or 30s and sometimes it doesn't even happen to people until they're in their 70s or 80s or maybe never. They never actually ask those questions, but you listening to this podcast episode, and I put these questions out there, maybe you made some assumptions, maybe you made some assessments of earlier in life, and you've been telling a story. You've chosen that a response or something that happened to you, an event, a circumstance that you were at the effect of, and it meant something about you, when really, it didn't. It had nothing to do with you. Even though you were at the, you were experienced the result of anger or you experienced the result of criticism, it was directed at you, but it really wasn't about you. It's hard to decipher that. It's hard to delineate that when you're so young. And we've carried that into adulthood. Well, I'm telling you that you can tell a different story. You adopted a story. You had the story of how you were victimized, how it you were at the effect of, or because my father did this, that means I'm like this now. Or I have this belief, I have this attitude because of my mother. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. 
You can either have the story of your trauma or the story of your healing. You can't have both. So as long as you're telling the story of how you were traumatized, how you were victimized, you will perpetuate that experience. But once you begin telling the story of your healing, you can leave the trauma in the past. And I know that sounds simple, and it is simple. It's not always easy because you have to retell that story again and again, release the old story, let go of the old story, and choose not to retell it ever again. You can acknowledge it. By all means, acknowledge it. Yes, it happened. But I'm now telling a new story. That is in my past. That's my old story. My new story is this. And so you acknowledge the old story, and then you begin telling the new story. And by telling the new story, you begin choosing a new response. You begin choosing who you want to become, who you want to be in this moment. So in addition to Jung's quote, I want to add this from the playwright, the Irish playwright, George Bernard Shaw. Life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. It really bugs me when people say, I want to discover who I am. I'm investigating. I'm trying to find my passion. I haven't found my passion yet. See, this drives me crazy because I've learned over the years that what's fulfilling isn't out there. It's from within you. It's inner generated. And so you can't discover who you are. You have to unleash who you are. And part of this is innate. It's inborn. This is the spiritual adventure. It is the the spirit or the soul's, it's the soul's desire to reconnect with the divine. You see, you're whole, complete, and perfect inside. It's the blocks, it's the limitations, it's the ideas and the, the stories of limitation that you've adapted along the way that have gotten in the way of you being who you really are, expressing who you really are. And at any given moment, you are created. So you, it's not about finding yourself. It's not about discovering yourself. It is about creating yourself. When something happens, it doesn't matter what happens. It matters who you are being in relationship to what happened. If life knocks you down and it hurt and you're crawling on the ground, and you scramble to get up, and you say, oh, I'm no good, I'm just not worthy. People say that. It's getting knocked down, and then getting back up, and facing life squarely, and say, you hit like a little bitch. I'm tough as nails, and I don't care how many times you knock me down, I'm going to get back up again, and again, and again. I will not quit. And I can hear some of you saying, well, that's not the truth. I do feel victimized. I do feel like I'm at the mercy of the effect of life. Well, it's the truth because you claim it as the truth. You see, your mind, and I'll, I'll go into a complete episode about this, the mind does not know the difference between something you vividly imagine and quote-unquote reality. Because, and you know what, just screw a future episode, I'll tell you right now. You see, you take the world out there and you repackage it in your head. You have your five senses. You have your visual, auditory, and kinesthetic or sensate, touch sensations. Those are the three you predominantly think in. And so as you're taking in the world out there, you're taking it through your five representational systems. You represent the world out there 
in your head. And in the process, you truncate information, you delete information, and you distort information because it doesn't go in on a one-to-one basis. So you have to pick and choose those aspects of the reality out there that you fit in your head. And so you're taking vibration, vibrational information, frequency information, light frequency, sound frequencies, and you're interpreting it. And then you're presenting it in your head. And since you never actually interact with the real world, but always some interpretation of it, there is no difference between something you vividly imagine and how you perceive the world on a regular basis. It is all made up. It is all a distortion. And I tell you that to empower you. Some people find that information to be depressing. You mean I don't interact with the real world? No, it's all created. So at any given moment, you can create the world as you want it to be. And ideally, you tie it to some references in the world that most people can agree with. It's just that you interpret it in a way that resonates with you, for you, on your behalf. See, schizophrenics, they create their own reality, too. They, they talk about it in their head. They see the world a particular way. That, ha- that is their experience. It's just that other people don't agree with it, and it's so far out of agreement that they say, you're crazy, or you're not in touch with reality. And I guess I need to confess, because I once had an engineer friend. He an, was an engineer for General Motors, and he told me one time, he says, you live in delusion, and I asked him, how so? He said that if, you, if you're presented with a glass with some water in it, you will always see it as half full. I see it as half empty. I say we're both wrong. We're both delusional. He goes, what? How so? I'm a realist. I said, are you really? I said, if you see the glass there and it's half empty, and we're not necessarily seeing it as it actually is, we're seeing it with an interpretation. If we look at that glass, I can say that's a 16-ounce tumbler and there's 8 ounces of water in it. That's the facts. But if I even want to be more accurate, I can say it's a clear liquid. It looks like it could be water, but I'm not sure. And so who's actually dealing with reality? If we're going to distort it either way, why not distort it in a way that it works for you? Now, there's a phrase that's been bandied around lately. It's come back from uh, the turn of the century, actually. And it's this, is that life does not happen to you. It happens for you. And that sounds pretty good. I want life to work for me. But I have to admit, it sounds kind of magical. Because there's some things that have happened to me that were less than stellar, less than amazing, horrendous. And But, it, you know, life doesn't happen to me. It happens for me. Is it the fact? Is it the truth? Who knows? If I adopt the idea, if I choose that as truth, that life does not happen to me, it happens for me, then anything that happens in my life, I'm going to start looking, how does that serve me? What does that now make possible? I know this was horrible, but there is a hidden opportunity in here. And then my mind starts searching for the hidden opportunity. And by God, I'm going to find it, whether it was there or not, because I will create it. I will turn it into something good. That is actually your ultimate freedom. 
and that is your ability to always choose your response. No matter what happens, you get to choose what your response is. Life is chosen. Life is created. Who you are for the world, who you are for yourself, is created. When you look in the mirror, do you see the person that you love? Do you see the person that you created? Are you impressed with the person that you've created thus far? Now, don't get down on yourself. If you see some room for improvement, you have the ability to shift everything. Because, remember, you are response-abled. You have the ability to respond and improve whatever aspect of your life you want to improve. Simply by telling a new story. And it is that simple. It's not always that easy. You have to keep telling that new story again and again. You have to practice it until it feels real. Because remember, in the words of Carl Jung, I am not what happened to me. I am what I choose and chosen to become. Okay, that's it. This is the end of this one. This is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner-directed as you engage in the epic adventure. (laughs) 